Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. It's me, Cindy Howes. I host this podcast. And thanks for finding us. And if you're listening in real time, this is our final traditional Basic Folk episode for 2023. And we're going out with a bang. Maya DeVitri and Ethan Yojevitz are on the podcast today. This is Maya's fourth time on Basic Folk, and honestly, whenever she wants to come on, open invitation, red carpet rollout, and all the like. Plus, it was so great to get her partner, Ethan Yojevitz, on. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Before we do, uh, I would encourage you to sign up for the Basic Folk newsletter if you want to stay in touch and keep updated on what's happening on the pod. You can find a link in the show notes to sign up for the email list, or you can go to basicfolk.com. There is a red sign up for the newsletter button. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Basic Folk Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are a listener-supported podcast, and if you're listening in real time, we are in the middle of our annual fundraiser. If you can make a contribution, that would be awesome. We suggest $5 a month. You can make your contribution at basicfolk.com slash donate. There is a link in the show notes. Everything that we do is made possible by listener contributions. If you are a donor, thank you so much. Okay, uh, let's get into it. Songwriter Maya DeVitri and bassist Ethan Yojevitz come to their partnership with an understanding for their chosen lifestyle and a creative playfulness that enhances their connection. While Maya's roots are firmly planted in folk music, Ethan brings classical music and improvisation to the table. They've been collaborating together since Maya's post-Stray Birds solo career, which launched in early 2019 with her record adaptations. Fast forward to 2023, they are back alongside Joel Timmons and Hannah DeLynn with the fabulous new EP, Infinite. For the first time in years, Maya is back on the road, while Ethan has been touring basically nonstop with musicians like Eva O'Donovan, Sierra Hull, and Lindsay Liu. In our conversation, they talk about how it's helpful to be in a relationship with someone who is also deeply committed to a musician's lifestyle, while understanding that sometimes people need a break. Maya also reflects on her current state of being within her body and how she has trouble recognizing physical pain to the point where she can't move. She talks of the realization that she had the tendency to tense up when picking up a guitar and how that was because she felt like she didn't belong. Ethan and Maya share their observations on working within a boundary. Ethan laments that he often works within a boundary with improvisation, while Maya speaks of placing limitations around touring and performing live shows. We end this insightful interview with Maya revealing celebrity sightings at her various Nashville Starbucks and a very fun lightning round called Which One? It's kind of like the dating game or the newlyweds game. Anyways, you're going to love it. Okay, let's take a listen to a song from Maya's fantastic new EP, Infinite. This is Stacy in her wedding gown, and then we'll get to our conversation with Maya DeVitri and Ethan Yojevitz on Basic Folk. If you ever get to Nipper's Corner on a Monday, you'll find a box of love letters waiting on the bar. People need coffee, but sometimes just the company. And if you want a brighter world, you've got to write the part. She's got her eyes peeled for rare coins and two dollar bills. 
tooth fairy well And she's breaking down boxes Till she's got enough to build A cardboard castle Maya and Ethan, thank you so much for being on Basic Folk. It's so great to see you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. In reading up about Ethan, I know a lot about Maya's background, but Maya's background is like very folky, especially with your family, lots of fiddling around the campfire in Lancaster, PA, and I think kind of like a very playful approach to music and writing. And Ethan, from what I understand, you were initially a very serious classical music performer, but had this epiphany after you left your hometown of Olympia, Washington, that jazz, folk, bluegrass, old time could also be serious and high level. Does that sound right? There's some truth to that. Okay. How do those two attributes translate to your musical connection, the serious and the playful? That's a great question. I so I did begin as a really serious classical player and the only the only difference from your intel is uh that that shift um did did start happening while I was still in my hometown while I was fairly young. The I guess the thing was that I started playing the bass at pretty young for an instrument of that size um and I got it really indoctrined into my head pretty quickly that classical music was the way to play the bass and was the only serious thing I wanted to do. And what started the thing, I would say the main thing, there, there were a couple factors that came in and started shifting that, like joining the jazz band in middle school and um, realizing like you could play what was on the page, but it was also cool to not play what was on the page. Mm. Um, but really the big thing I would say that felt like a turning point was when I, I think I was 11, maybe I went to a contra dance for the first time in my hometown and the people who were playing that night actually ended up being bandmates of mine a few years later. They were all, a few of them were my age. And I would say honestly that that was where the, the playfulness first came in because up to that point I'd, my relationship with music was that you play it and you practice it and you try and do it at a high level, you know, as much as a high level as like a nine year old can try and do. But then at a contra dance, I must have been older than 11 then. But anyway, um, now there was no instrument in my hand and I was just dancing and moving to it. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, within the course of like an hour, the first half hour, I didn't like it. The second half hour, I hadn't experienced anything that fun before. (laughs) Um, And so I I don't know, that kind of feels like a turning point. And that was a world I was involved with for a lot of years, actually the contra dance world playing the music and also just enjoying dancing it. And so maybe that, that sort of helped, I guess. Um, but the creativity versus, uh, or the, like the playfulness versus the seriousness, um, really getting into jazz and other improvised types of music is what really has brought that home for me. Um, because that's, that can end up being sort of a confluence of, can I be, purely creative right now trying to like be a conduit from what I'm hearing in my head to the instrument um, that I've never played this exact set of notes maybe in that order before in that rhythm um, and it's coming to me pretty quickly but can I still do that at such a level that uh, maybe like your average listener isn't going to know whether that was a pre-composed part or not right yeah that's me I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Maya, anything to add? Do you think that Ethan is as playful as he could be? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think like that is one of the things that I was surprised by early on. Like I, like when we started hanging out, I was just like, oh, this is like a really, he's like, he's just like a really intensely good musician. And I don't know, like. What I don't know. I think I was just 
happily surprised when I realized that just like in in life, in talking, in in anything, that that you are a very silly, fun person, and fun. that there was like a <laughs> there was a side to. I th- I think that it, yeah. I mean, I I think we're both. I think we both like br- help to bring it out of each other, especially like when we're just at home playing music together. Like, it's, you know, maybe maybe I'm playing bass and Ethan's playing drums, and like we're just like making up songs, and it's just like shouting lyrics, and it's like absurd. <laughs> like it's just like fun stuff, you know. Like it's. I yeah. think when we're in like a pri- kind of like a private, protected, feeling space, then it's just like, yeah. I think I think that's, and I, I don't know. That's that's like one of, I would say, like the most fun, fulfilling parts of our relationship is that we can both go to that space together and kind of see like the fullest expression or spectrum of 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 the serious to the fun kind of and mm. but as far as like what we what you know put it like what we reveal or what we um are constantly how we're showing up like outside of the house or in our music publicly um i don't know i'd say we could both probably do more fun more like you know just more like I don't know like I'm always pushing myself to do that on stage like be like not take especially like as I as I shift away from like the culture that was the stray birds which was very like this is the this is the arrangement of the song this is how we do it and like there was Mm -hmm. less I don't know experimentation kind of or like play in Mm -hmm. it and I, when I would go and see Ethan perform with bands, it was like all about experimentation and play a lot of the times, you know, just like very free. I mean, like one of the first musical things that I knew of that Ethan was a part of was he was improvising for a free contact. What was it? In, uh, contact, hey. contact improv group. So people are like physically interacting in a, in a, in improvisatory way and he was playing music with an ensemble completely improvised and I I was like what what are you doing (laughs) what's this gig (laughs) so I but I mean sure like I don't I don't think there's a cap to it is what I'm saying not that not that you aren't fun that your fun and silliness doesn't come out in your music but I think there can always be more for all for Mm. either of us well and one of the things that is I would say a major difference, at least in this point in our lives from each other in what we do musically is that Maya largely is leading her own project with music that she wrote and people, if, if there's people, other people there, it's people that she chose to ask to be there with her and she's representing herself under her own name. And I've done a very little bit of that and not recently uh, of, of stuff where I'm playing my own music and representing Mm -hmm. myself, but largely the majority of the stuff that I do, I'm representing somebody else. And so I kind of, one of the skills that comes with that, that um, honestly, I think is one of the the things that can make you a, a desirable side person or not, is your ability to like read the room on what kind of uh, culture or vibe or whatever that artist or band or production that you're playing with uh what fits with that you know and so Mm. there's going to be ones where more creativity and more like taking risks where you might kind of fall flat on your face trying to get an idea out but at least you tried there's going to be places where that is the culture and there's also going to be places where um just really sticking to what you're trying to do and just execute the song well and it is going to be the main thing, you know, so it so it really is like kind of on a case to case thing. And I think that some of the people that I enjoy playing with the most are the people that make it clear either explicitly by telling you like, hey, just be yourself, do what you want to do musically or just in w- with the just the energy with which they approach the thing, you know, and Maya, as far as like that 
I also play as a side person with Maya. Um, sometimes uh, that's uh, aside from all just like she's saying, like our history of, of being creative and being silly and stuff like that um, in our like offstage life. Um, just the way that she runs her band and the way she is to all the people on her band is like, hey, you're here because I wanted you particularly. Mm. Like I didn't want bass player. I didn't want guitar player. Like I wanted yeah. Ethan on bass. I wanted Joel Timmons on guitar. Like, and uh, so that creates a culture of feeling free to, again, within reason, within the context, like I'm not going to go and play like crazy like s- noises over all of Maya's songs because that's, you know, that's not really... <laughs> the right gig for that. But within the context of the gig, I feel free to experiment, um, Mm. you know. My next question is like a 180 from that one. And it has to do with your bodies. Uh, Maya, you write about bodies a lot. So I want to check in about that topic with you, actually with both of you, because you just both recovered from having COVID. Um, so however much you want to reveal, how are you feeling about your body these days? Mm, getting better still. Like right now, I, so I got really into yoga at the beginning of 2023. And that's kind of been the way that I was able to feel throughout the month of January, going to yoga regularly and that is kind of like my new touchstone. Like it's, it has been like for the whole year that passed, like, wow, I'm back. I'm like, okay, I'm getting closer to that feeling again, or I'm farther away from that feeling. I'm feeling really, really stiff and crunchy. And like, (laughs) um, I mean, I was actually, I was so, so detached recently from my body. This happens to me when I tour because it's, again, such a survival mode of, you know, it's so strange to be in a car sometimes for six to seven hours a day. And I was doing that so much in the last couple months. And the I was sitting on the stage with the gig in Portland, Maine, the last one that we did before I tested positive the next day. And I could barely move. Like I was in so much body pain, just body ache. Mm. And Ethan was like, hey, do you think you could like shift to the side a little bit I'm trying to you know get my bass up on stage and it was a very small stage and I just remember being like um I think so just give me a second like I could hardly like get my body up off the ground Mm. and looking back I'm like oh my gosh what was I thinking what was I doing like it's such a um I have this I have such a habit of like just get like like not being in my body in order to make the show go on that like I have that it's I'll get to a a pretty far point of yeah like that I I should I should have stopped kind of but it's like when I'm playing music I I feel um I just I'm just in the music like I'm in like music body and every all the Mm -hmm. physical sensations kind of like go away And I would like to find a way to like bring those together and be more like actually checked in to how I'm feeling in my body when I'm playing. Like, okay, like, am, is my, is my chest like relaxed enough? Am I like, am I grounded in my feet? And like the way that I feel when I'm at home and in a routine of like going to yoga every other day in the Mm -hmm. winter, I would like to feel that in touch by the end of November later in the year when I'm, mm-hmm. you know, on the road and, and have, I'd also like to kind of find a, yeah, like what, like how, what is the best I could feel while I'm on the road? And, and I'm, I'm feeling better overall, like I'm getting better. And like last year, this time I had like, I I had a, I could hardly wash my hair because of a, like a shoulder injury, like something that had happened from pushing a, um, like a heavy guitar case up in the overhead on a plane. And I was, I really struggled with that, like for months and, and went to a variety of people about it. And eventually Alexander technique is what helped me the most to re, Mm. she could see, I went to this teacher, Sally Honor, who has since passed away. Um, Mm. She was in stage four ovarian cancer and still seeing 
clients um, in the spring of last year. And she, I saw her for two lessons and she really transformed my relationship with my guitar and holding the, you know, holding the instrument. She, she could see that when she said, Maya, pick up your guitar, my whole body would like tense up. And when, and she, so she was teaching me to like move in, to bring this idea of pause into my movements when I'm kind of like go back to like the way a a child moves more intuitively with like grace and like what actually is the movement you need to get to Mm. the next thing. And she also, I, you know, she, she just helped reveal to me that I, I still had some mental ideas that like, I, I do not, I do not belong holding a guitar in front of people singing. Whoa. And which I was like shocked to, to realize that I believed because I've been making records and doing my thing for a couple years now, but I still had this in my body. I had this body memory of like you, like it was basically what I was doing is I was like, like putting my arm out and kind of sticking it like, like I was punching away or like being defensive against the world. Like I'm going to play guitar Mm. and I'm, I'm allowed, I'm allowed. Don't take it away from me. I'm allowed to hold it. Don't take it away from me. Wow, and and wow. It, like I was gripping in this crazy way. And of course that was going to like hurt my body. And then yeah. so now I can come to it in this way where I'm like really my shoulders are back and I'm open and I feel relaxed. And um, in many ways I feel better in my body now than ever. But um, but this this thing about feeling detached when I start to get sick or when I'm start starting to get worn down, I really, really want to. That sounds bad. I really want to like work on that because it's. I, yeah, I, yeah. I was. I remember I had a. I had a spider bite and a high fever one time in, like, high school at a classical orchestra camp, and I was mm-hmm. just kind of going through the quartet rehearsal. Like, man, I feel terrible, but just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just, just do, you know, just play the notes on the page and. And then later I just sort of like collapsed in the dorm room and I had, it turns out I had like a really high fever from this spider bite. And I, um, it's, it's, I know it's like something I, my relationship with my body and and getting, taking myself out of my body and out of pain. And it's, it's something I'm becoming more and more aware of as uh, critical. Don't be one of those musicians who dies on stage. I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised, but but I need to work on this. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of how I found in Portland the other. I was just like, what's happening to me? Like, I know I'm not going to die right now, but like, just let's just play the show. Who cares? <laughs> oh my goodness. Ugh. I'm going to work um, on it, Cindy. Okay, good. <laughs> you heard it here first. well i'm speaking of getting back on the road again maya you've been touring in a more serious way than you have been in years since like the stray birds um so you hadn't been feeling it quite yet until then however ethan has been on the road touring like crazy people people like uh playing with people like Eva o'donovan Lindsay Liu, and a million other people um how is it like for the two of you to relate to each other in that time where Maya needed rest from the road, Ethan is on the road? How could you relate and yet have your own autonomy to either not tour or to go out on a tour? I think probably the biggest thing is that we both understand the lifestyle. Um, I I have friends who have run into problems dating people who aren't musicians. I also have friends who say like, you should totally not date musicians. So you get some variety in your life or something or like a blanket statement. It's pretty, it's (laughs) for everyone. Yeah. But the, the, (laughs) the, the nice thing, it's a pretty weird lifestyle that we do. Um, even, even for like business travelers, which I honestly try and call myself like a lot of times 
I take <laughs> great joy in saying, you know, when it comes up with some, especially strangers, say, oh, I'm traveling for business right now. I'm on a business trip, you know. Um, but even even compared to like other people who what you more so think of as like a business traveler, like mm-hmm. we travel a lot. You know, I mean, it's not like it's not like we're just flying out to a conference or something every weekend, you know, or to see one client or something. It's like you fly somewhere and then you travel more from there. You know, you sleep in a different bed every night and like set up and do your show in all these different places and like try and find the right food to eat while you're doing it and try and make sure you're getting enough rest and making sure you're not like Dying on stage. Maya. Dying on stage, you know, <laughs> always make sure you're still breathing. Um, it's just like a pretty weird, it's a pretty weird lifestyle. And it's also, um, the other thing that's kind of weird about it, we we had, we were just talking about this this morning because an old friend of Maya's visited us yesterday. He's in town on a business trip. The company that he works for is doing a conference for the whole week in Nashville and, um, you know, we were just cracking up that yesterday he was like, hey, guys, I, I need to log on for like a half hour. And then he goes in the corner, gets on his computer, does his emails, and then he texts us, all right, let's go do something fun now. And that kind of um, separation between work and not work is harder for us because we choose for our work to do a thing that we also truly deeply love that we we kind of can't live without you know, uh, music. And, um, so it's just that, that it's a really complex kind of connection where it's, it can be really tough sometimes, especially travel related. Um, and especially like say like your body's hurting for whatever reason, and that's affecting your ability to play or to feel good about, uh, getting on stage, whatever. Um, the fact that we can both relate to that I think just uh, is a type of empathy that I I don't take for granted, you know, and and I, we also we had a realization recently um, that uh, let's see if I can get the thought out correctly. Um, but we b- both of us in our in our younger years, so-called like our younger, younger years did various kinds of travel um like uh like more kind of scruffy kind of travel like uh I did a lot of backpack backpacking I took like uh hitchhiking trips on purpose um I you know and Maya uh would take took a really long road trip across the country with some friends where she was busking for dinner money every night and she like rode her bike uh with a friend like all over Europe and, you know, slept in parks and stuff like that. Like we did some kind of interesting off the beaten path, stuff like that. And we, we realized that we both, too, have had this interest in. We've both like thought of wanting to try train hopping in our lives before. Don't and that's it. more like a thing that we thought about when we were younger than we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, neither of us ever did it, but we definitely we knew people who did it. Um, we had interest in it and just the the experience of it and that kind of, you know, it's like one of this, it's one way to like take that, like, I guess like the freedom and expanse of America, you know, that it's one way to interpret that kind of um, feeling that we're, a lot of us are sort of raised with. But what we, what we kind of realized recently is that the lifestyle that we've chosen, and I don't want to like say that like, we're as cool as train hoppers by like traveling around <laughs> playing music. But that it's sort of it's it relates to that, like that the fact that we chose to do this kind of semi nomadic existence where you are sort of going and playing music for your dinner, you know, maybe the bar's a little higher, or maybe you're actually standing to make like a you know a a living so called from it, mm-hmm. um but it is still a kind of like, hey, let's like pack up our let's pack up our backpack. And let's go hop on this thing and let's go to another town and let's post up and let's do our thing and see what happens. And I, I think that that was a cool realization we we recently had that maybe some of those feelings of just wanting to get up and travel that we had when we were younger um, have been able to meld musically into a thing that, you know, relates 
more to the like you know the general uh cultural a uh, culturally accepted you know type of it's somewhat culturally accepted type of way to make a living um but that also encompasses that the feeling of just like the joy of the unknown of going somewhere and traveling um uh anyway so i just the fact i think all that to say that basically i think we sort of see eye to eye on what we choose to do with our lives and mm-hmm. i think that that helps not worry too much about uh like if one of us is home and the other's away or maybe we're traveling together or maybe we're both home or whatever we kind of we have an understanding about it all yeah like it's its own separate relationship in a way like the relationship with um the relationship with the unknown or the relationship with the like the cracks of like seeing the seeing the behind the scenes of the theaters and what happens when everybody else packs up and goes home and who are who is sweeping behind the bar now and what's it like who do you meet in the alley when you're loading out of the gig at yeah. one in the morning and who's still who else is still on the street at 2 a.m when you're like pulling into the hotel and like mm-hmm. those are these like glimpses and these like the and and then the the thing with i think like yeah like with busking and and traveling in that way or and camping in you know kind of hiding spots along the highway or something and pitching your tent wherever and that it's it's all it's this kind of yeah like what's in the margins like what's in the invisible spaces and I want to go there and see who's there and um, like Ethan did a lot of homeless outreach and work with people living on the street in Olympia when he was growing up and um, I don't know just like the the interest in seeing some of those things is has like never died in us. And I think that's kind of a perspective or it's like, it's a separate relationship. Yeah. Like when, instead of like, Oh, are you going to outgrow this fun activity of traveling or something like that? It's a, a great adventure. Hmm. Like I know that Ethan will never ask me that. When are you going to give this up? Yeah. Right. I might, I wouldn't ask that. I might ask, I might ask other questions like, you know, about like when her shoulder was really hurting, you know, more questions that about like, Hey, what's that about? You know, how, like, how can I support you in like making that healthier? But it's not about like, Oh, your shoulder hurts. You should stop being a traveling musician and stay home. You know what I mean? (laughs) Never, would never think that. Which is, which is interesting because like when my shoulder hurts, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I should quit. I should be a physical therapist. Actually, I should, (laughs) I should work in human resources. I should, you know, like there's many pathways that I, I will go. And then mine is always a dental hygienist. I've also looked into this. (laughs) (laughs) This seems like a nice life. Yeah. This producer, musical director guy that I know in in town um, told me at one point he was teaching like a a professional music development class or something like that at one of the, I forget what college here in town. But anyway, he he relayed the story that he, you know, had everybody in his music class. Uh, He said, all right, who here, Uh, you know, everyone there was there because they were trying to be a professional musician. And he said, all right, who here has a backup plan? And, you know, like. A handful of people raised their hands and he was just like straight up like you guys shouldn't be professional musicians the the Mm -hmm. ones of you who have backup plans because he said if you have a backup plan if you have the inkling of the idea that you should have a backup plan and you have something else um you're going to end up doing it you're not going to like quote unquote make it in music because it's like you do have to be a little bit it has to be so deeply like inextricable from your soul that like this is the thing that you do in some way um 
for you to be able to follow through and do it Hmm. because there's a lot in the way of being a successful musician, like a, a sustainable musician. And it does, you know, yeah, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's exactly like a sickness, but it's definitely like a passion. You know, you have the, the, the passion and the fire has to be there and it has to be there. The, like not doing it has to not be in your repertoire kind of. That's not to say, I mean, there are people that do a music career and then stop, you know, and like did some interesting things and did found some, some sort of success. And by success, I mean like not that they like made a bunch of money or something, but success in that they like were able to reach people with their music in a, some kind of significant way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's it kind of, it, it gets hard a lot of the times. And, and that's another thing that I think is just as far as relating to each other and as far as it being a compatible thing um, for these two particular individual people to be together is um, yeah, that we both, I think, understand that and feel that in ourselves and in each other. And when Mm. I go through those spirals of times where I'm like, okay, I'm really looking into this dental hygienist thing. I really, (laughs) I really think this would be like, you know, here's, here's what the kind of work-life balance would be like. And here's, and, and Ethan will listen and will make space for me to talk about that and ask questions about that. And then he'll just kind of let me sit with it. And then I'll, and then I'll just come back around. I'll be like, all right, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm going back on the road. Like, you know, (laughs) and I'll just have the, or one time (laughs) when I was talking about some kind of like human resources thing and, and, uh, and he was just like, but, but do you think you could do it? Like, not like, could you do the job? You would do a good job at the job, but do you think you could do it? Like, would I be able to work in that environment? And would I be able to turn away from, from the, again, not, not the sickness of what we do, but like in a way the yeah, like the passion, like would I be able to kind of like make a tidy little box for myself that I sometimes take the lid off and like Mm -hmm. play music or is it because, because I think, and I think maybe what, you know, what Ethan's recognizing and what I am beginning finally to accept and recognize is that my relationship with music and creating has changed so much from when I was um, you know, a teenager, like discovering songs and, and stuff like it's, it's not just playing the guitar or like sitting on the couch and singing, you know, to myself or jamming at the campfire. It's, it really, like I have found kind of the job part of it, like the calling or like the lip, the making the living, like it's the exchange and the transfer with other people, which can only happen by me so sincerely just like making the offering Mm -hmm. and I could find ways to do that in a new way you know like if I suddenly if suddenly in my physical body just was not able to travel and tour anymore Mm -hmm. then I would find some other way to make a transfer of you know like my perspectives and you know the the world in a song to someone I would find some way to make that transfer but I, mm. I think that the transfer and the, the exchange and the, the making, making space for like life moving through words and sound between people, like I would find a way to do that as a high school English teacher, but that would then become my way of making space for that exchange. Mm-hmm. But that's like the job that I do. It's not writing mm-hmm. songs. Like it's the actual like it's like the tunnel or the channel between me and other people and sustaining that like rope. I don't know if that I think we should make sense. Totally. It totally makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's like, I think what I, because what also what sometimes gets me to a place of feeling the burnout is, is that that relationship that that giving and receiving is exhausting and it's real work mm-hmm. and, and it's, 
Hmm. really specific work. And I think that when people question that what, if, that if, if what a traveling musician is doing is real or valid or, mm-hmm. you know, and they're kind of seeing it as maybe they're seeing it as like, you know, when are you going to give up this activity that you do or something like, I'm like, but this part, the playing part and the singing part, that's like the beginning of the, like, it's the traveling between the people thing. That's the, that's the real thing. That makes me think, okay, so the new EP Infinite has this amazing song, Stacy in her wedding gown. So let me just set this question up because it is talking about giving and receiving. So that's a song inspired by your coworker at the Nippers Corner Starbucks. And there's a couple important things about Stacy. She loves wearing her wedding dress as much as possible. And she is very giving. She mm-hmm. runs this thing called the Happy Monday Project, where she practices like reckless optimism by giving everyone in her community and beyond a great Monday. She makes gifts for people mm-hmm. uh, and she encourages people on her website to tell her about how they tried to make people have a good Monday. So Maya, you worked on that song in secret and then you invited her to a show unbeknownst to her and played it for her as a gift. Mm-hmm. So like keeping in mind that Stacy is like so giving, what was it like for Stacy to receive that song? And then what did it teach you about receiving? Mm. Yeah, she, she was so, I mean, she was just openly weeping and receiving it there, sitting there. And that oh, she's a good receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just, she accepted, she accepted it. Um, and she, yeah, I think it, I think that I really, I really like that idea of the giving and the receiving because I, I think of her so much as a giver, but it's nice to think of her actually as a receiver too. Um, I'll have to think about that, what that's taught me about receiving. That's a good question. Thank you. Another past theme for you, Maya, is how anxiety and fear would constrain your musical ability. Um, I heard you on New Hampshire Public Radio recently with Kate McNally mm-hmm. talking about how when you felt that stage fright or anxiety, you could only sing within a certain range. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that doesn't happen. But I've so I want to propose like an interesting um, contrast to that. I've heard that like limitations and working within boundaries can be satisfying and creative in itself. And this is not me advocating for a life like ruled by fear. Um, But I would love to hear both of your opinions on that concept. Like, how do you feel about working within a boundary? Mm. You want to go first? Yeah. Well, I think about working within boundaries a lot in improvisation, which is how getting back to what we were talking about before, uh, ultimately how I try to live my life in a improvisatory way. Um, and you're always working within boundaries, even within, um, totally, uh, even when you're totally freed up without a plan and just, trying to do something like right now we we didn't know what questions you were going to ask ahead of time like all we knew was to show up in front of the computer with some microphones turned on at this time but there are some sort of understood parameters of this interview which is one that it's an interview so there's probably going to be questions asked and we're going to answer them like and relatively try and stay on topic i'm not going to like start talking about like how i really want to like get a new engine in my Jeep, you know, that's not, that's off topic. So that's like, that's one. That's on my Jeep podcast. That's on the Jeep podcast. (laughs) So that's like one, that's like one thing. The also sort of understood thing is that we're probably going to speak in English. That's the only language I speak. Maya speaks some other languages, but that's definitely the language we all share in common between the three of us that we can most easily communicate in. So there's some parameters right there that we might not necessarily be thinking of, but I I try to be aware of those in general and as you hone that in when you when you look at that musically um you you know like i was saying earlier with this band i might not make weird noises on the bass but with john mylander's forecast band i definitely make weird noises on the bass 
that's mm-hmm. like that's a constraint that's sort of lifted or or shifted, you know, and um, so I, I you know as far as like fear, or stage fright, um, stuff like that comes into it, or even like um physical stuff which I have dealt with and and currently deal with as well, like um playing injuries and things like that and tensions and everything. Um, that can also just be thought of as a constraint, like what's the best music I can make within this constraint at this moment, or how can I channel this constraint into something that's really beautiful, you know? Um, there's, there's, uh, when I, when I teach at music camps, I, whenever it's appropriate to the camp, I like to do a free improvisation workshop. And it's especially with some of the students who are like really good but are really good at like playing really particular things, you know, maybe they are really good at bluegrass tunes or they're really good at playing Bach or something, but they're not like very freed up creatively yet. And I have this whole slew of improv games that give you really specific parameters, but then task you with making the best music you can within that one in particular is where you're only allowed to play one note but you try and make the best music you can with that note with all the things that you can do with just one note, like the speed you play it, the tone you play it, the timbre, if you're using vibrato, like on and on and on and on. And that's like, can be a really eye opening thing for students to um, realize how much can be done with just a single note. Um, so I, all that kind of relates together for me uh, into the, into the, the whole thing. Cause I try not to think of again, as, as like, we're talking about like sort of living a musical life. Like we're not like, we don't go like plug into music for 30 minutes and then disappear from music. It's kind of intrinsically within us all the time. And so working on, for me, working on within constraints, uh, musically in my practice or whatever, or recognizing constraints in conversation or, um, whatever else, when other constraints come up, like, you know, okay, I feel constrained in my creativity right now because I'm nervous, um, then I've practiced still being able to like express myself even within a constraint like that, I guess. Mm. That's the goal at least. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the, one of the boundaries, I guess, for me at times has been to, you know, to play, like to play shows less um, than, and I was, I mean, I guess when I, in the two chapters where I was working at the two different Starbucks in Nashville, that was kind of a boundary of, um, that created a new boundary of time for me of when I was able to play and write. And, but it also was, yeah, like I think in getting back into touring, I've been, I've made boundaries and, you know, for the, for the first bit, it was like, okay, no flights. Don't, you know, don't play anywhere where you have to fly because that just brings in too many variables to, um, to the equation. And that will make me just the idea of packing the stuff and, the upfront cost of booking the tickets and the the variables of what the rental vehicle will be and all of those things. It was like my nervous system couldn't handle the variables. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, we'll just leave from Nashville and we'll go as far as we can go from here. Or in May of 2022, a boundary that I made on stage, I, I this was the first time I really took like a full band back out. And, um, I did rent a van for that tour, but I rented it in Nashville. So then I drove it the whole way up and, you know, up and back up all the way up to, I think Portland, Maine (laughs) and back. And, um, but that tour, we had a set list that I had made really thoughtfully and we stuck to the set list for every show. And that was my boundary. I couldn't, my nervous system couldn't handle straying from that or Mm. um, I needed to know what the arc 
energetically of the show was going to be from start to finish and then be able to kind of have that stay the same each night. And like I just did this tour with Joel Timmons. We were playing duo. We were opening for the Wood Brothers. And uh, we had 10 shows in a row. And we didn't play the same set any night. And we actually didn't really have a set list. I had a pile of songs that I would write down and they would just be laying on the stage. But I would kind of read the energy of the room in the midst of each song and after each song. And then I would know where we were going to go next. But it kind of felt like choose your own adventure at any turn. Mm. And that was like such a distinct memory. Like that's such a distinct difference for me in like my nervous system on stage and in front of people and like the, yeah, like my need at a time was to have more of a roadmap for the whole show laid out and then just kind of like overlay that on each town. And that was more of what I knew um, because there were other, yeah, it was just like it made for less variables. And so I think Mm -hmm. one of the things with, boundaries for me and and nervousness and fear yeah it's like some sometimes there's like moments to kind of push into the unknown but sometimes I'm I'm able to kind of level up or something with like I don't think I would have been able to get to this place where I can be more free and playful on stage and stage doesn't feel like a dangerous place or a um you know a place where I'm gonna uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel it feels more intimate for me to be because then I think back to your question about giving and receiving, like I'm receiving as I'm giving when I'm more present like that, like when I'm able to I'm I'm receiving the whole time that I'm singing a song because like I'm receiving the presence of the audience and the listeners and then I can sort of steer the show in a new place because of what I'm getting and then I take it here and then I give something and then I receive something and it just feels more interactive Mm -hmm. like the whole journey through the 40 minutes or the 90 minutes or whatever it is I think that I think that I am learning to receive more being on stage um that's maybe something I'm learning from even honestly from working at Starbucks and, and the constant like work in the cash register or the drive through window and, and just like being present with somebody and like not having a script, but go, but, but just being present with them for real and trusting the exchange, I guess. Mm. If you ever become a dental hygienist, I will be so mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) I bet I could, I bet I could uh, make a really satisfying life as a dental hygienist. Don't do it. Any, uh, okay, back to the TMZ vibe of this interview. Any celebrity sightings at your Starbucks? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I once served... Sturgill Simpson in the drive-thru. Wow. Yeah. It was cool because I had briefly met him at the Tonder Festival in Denmark when I was with the Stray Birds, but just sort of like a more of a backstage, like, hey, kind of thing. Like we didn't, there was no, no reason that he should have recognized me or remembered me. Um, And, but I knew who he was and he... Uh, yeah, he came through the drive-thru one day and that cool. was at the Metro Center Starbucks where there was a drive-thru. And also, who else came in? There was some bluegrass. Ricky Skaggs. Ricky Skaggs. <laughs> Ricky Skaggs Whoa. came in and he, Glorious. but he gave his name as Rick, I think. Oh, Rick Skaggs. I think he gave his name as Rick. Wait, it was, whatever he, whatever name he gave to the person at the cash register, it was not Ricky. But I was like, that's Ricky Skaggs. And then when I called out his name and I said, Ricky. <laughs> and that was oh, no. that was a very fun moment. 
Um, there, and he he perked up. <laughs> there was a there was a time um, Maya texted me while she was at work and said, "Hey, I think like I think Chick Korea might be here right oh. now." <laughs> And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know Chick Corea drank coffee. Like, I think he was on a really particular diet or something. And, and, um, but it, you know, and I was like, I was like, I was like, what, what does he look like? What's this guy look like? You know, I wasn't convinced that Maya knew what Chick Corea looked like. And I think it ended up being like Chuck, you know, some other last name that started with Just a C. Korean. Yeah. <laughs> but so I didn't, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't rush over or anything to, you know, try and get a coffee with Chick Korea or anything. But And then <laughs> in one, one fun moment was at, um, this was at Nipper's Corner. I was, you know, I took, took this guy's whole order and, um, and he was like, are you Maya DeVitri? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm Ben Cosgrove. I played <laughs> I played piano on Violet Light. I did not know this. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. Like, we had worked yeah, together. Yeah, I never met him. I, we had never met. Because A colleague. We, because we, like, he's on Violet Light. But we never met because we were, we were, co- we were making that record distantly you know like um like remotely like we sent him the track in up in maine or whatever and so and i was like what are you doing in nipper's corner (laughs) (laughs) and he he was you know working on music and but he i think he like thought like when he got up he saw like my tag said maya my name tag so he was like wait are you maya (laughs) devitri that's hilarious these are good celebrity sightings um, okay, we're going to wrap up with a very special edition of the lightning round. Ooh. It's called Which One? Um, I am going to ask you both a question, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count you down, three, two, one, and at the same time, you tell me what the answer is, and the answer is either Ethan or Maya, and you can choose your own name. <laughs> okay. All is right. this clear? I think so. Okay, so there's two, okay. two choices. Yep. Ethan or Maya is the answer. Ethan or Maya. All right, ready? Here we go. With which one? Which one is the planner? Three, two, one. Ethan. Maya. (laughs) (laughs) Great start. (laughs) Okay. Which one is the driver? Three, two, one. Maya. <laughs> it depends on what where we're going. If we're on tour, I'm if driving. If we're on tour, it's Maya. If we're going to the woods, it's usually me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. And on the drive, which one is the DJ? Three, two, one. Ethan. Ethan. Okay. All right. Here we go. Which one is the jokester? Three, two, one. Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> So reluctant to say your own name. <laughs> Which one is the cook? Three, two, one. Ethamaya. Yeah, Ethamaya. Ethamaya. Okay, there's a third answer. We do have that. a routine for breakfast, though. Yeah, Ethan makes the coffee, and our, I make the breakfast. That's our one routine. Okay. <laughs> all right, couple more here. Which one reads all the fine print? Three, two, one. Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> Okay, sending all my contracts to you. (laughs) All right, this is the last one. Which one would rather be on stage? Three, two, one. Like, yeah, uh, not sure. Ethan, maybe. Like, yeah, I need more information about the question. (laughs) That's it. No, that's that's all you're getting. Uh, (laughs) Sure, let's say Ethan. Well, this has been fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, really, I love the new EP, Infinite. Maya, like everything you do is amazing. Ethan, it's like, it's always so fun to go to a show and be like, oh, there's Ethan. <laughs> I feel like you're at like 95% on stage. You're like at 95% of the shows I go to. Funny. <laughs> it, was, it was really great to be able to talk to you in this uh, format. So I appreciate yeah. you both being here. Of course. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. 
This episode of Basic Folk was produced by Anthony Cabrera. Basic Folk is on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can find all of our episodes there, wherever you get podcasts. You can check us out on the SiriusXM app, search for Basic Folk, or you can check out our website, basicfolk.com. If you liked this podcast, I encourage you to share it with a friend, maybe a neighbor, your across-the-street neighbor who has the most lovely dog who got into a little tiff with your dog the other day and you feel really bad about it. So you kind of want to send a signal that you're really sorry, you still want to be good friends, and you hope that our dogs can play together in the future, even though your giant monster dog tried to eat their little uh, adorable, innocent, friendly dog. Anyways, I think that you should send them this episode and then they'll be totally delighted and everything will be fine. Okay, thanks for listening all the way to the end. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.